0: Please be seated. Have you heard any good sermons lately? Man, I hope so, (laughs) because most of you have been sitting around here for the last several weeks. I hope you've heard something worth listening to. Have you heard any good sermons lately? Actually, I don't get to hear sermons a whole lot. But uh, just not too long ago, when Cindy and I were on a late summer vacation, we attended a congregation, and a young preacher brought what I thought was just an outstanding sermon. It was really encouraging to hear this young preacher and, and his soundness and his devotion to truth and his powerful way of proclaiming the good old God, Jerusalem gospel, as we sometimes call it. He really did a fine job. It's, just a, it's a pleasure to hear a good sermon, isn't it? We appreciate that. I want to tell you something, though. No sermon that you ever heard compares to the Sermon on the Mount. That's probably the most famous sermon ever preached. It is a sermon quoted from more than any other, I'm absolutely confident. And beginning today, we want to look at the most famous section of that Sermon on the Mount, the section that James read for us just a few moments ago. The Really, the introduction, the famous introduction of the Sermon on the Mount, the section that we call the Beatitudes. That's our designation, right? The Beatitudes. I can remember back when I was a young person thinking that Beatitudes meant they are be-attitudes. They are attitudes that you ought to be. Well, that's not a bad idea, really, because I think they do suggest that, but that's not what the word means. The word beatitude comes from the Latin word, which is translated blessed. And that's the way these beatitudes begin outright, blessed. And then it describes the characteristic that we ought to possess. We are blessed if we possess these various characteristics. And so that is the notion of beatitudes. It comes from the Latin word for blessed. Sometimes that word is also translated happy. And it's not the idea of happy, giggling, joking sort of happiness. It's the idea of genuine happiness that comes from being blessed in the lives that we live. So we want to talk about the Beatitudes. We're going to begin that this week, and hopefully, Lord willing, for the next several weeks, we'll just look at that section, that introductory section to the Sermon on the Mount. Before we get further into uh, that study, let me stop here, add words of welcome to those that Lee mentioned just a moment ago. We're glad that you're here. We have a really a beautiful late autumn day in Middle Tennessee. It's a blessing to be able to be together to worship God. We pray that he'll be glorified by all that we do. We have visitors today. We're always grateful for our visitors. We want you to come back every time you have a chance to be here. And if we can be of any help to you in any way, please let us know how we can help you. Thanks for being here today. Let me ask you a question then as we begin our study. And the question is, are you poor? Are you poor? Well, somebody says, yeah, yeah, you know, Black Friday was just, just you know, two days ago, and there were so many good deals, I just couldn't pass them up, and yeah, I spent more money than I should. I feel kind of poor right now. And by the way, tomorrow, as they call it now, Cyber Monday, and there's going to be more deals, more outstanding offers from various retailers. Can you do that? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty poor. I had a finan I told Jacob I had a financial reversal yesterday. I went out to start my car and my battery's gone dead. I'm I hadn't done it yet, but I'm gonna to have to buy a new battery for my car and those batteries. If you've priced one, if you've had to buy one lately, battery prices, car battery prices have gone crazy. I'm gonna to have to do that tomorrow. So poor, yeah, I feel poor. Are you poor? Well, actually, what we're gonna be talking about this morning doesn't have anything at all to do with money, with Material wealth. Now, the Bible does address that. For instance, in Proverbs chapter 30, beginning verse 8, remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. Notice that. Uh, The Bible warns about finances and what they can do for us. If, If I'm doing real well, I tend to forget God. If I'm so poor, I might be tempted to other sins because of my poverty. And here the wise man of Proverbs says, we're a lot better off sort of in the middle, where we don't have to worry about either extreme. But I tell you, the poverty we're talking about this morning doesn't have anything at all to do with money. Here in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the poverty that we're talking about here, being poor in spirit. And actually, this expression denotes a need for humility. That's what this is about. This is about being humble in our hearts, having a poverty of spirit. Did you hear the old story about a fellow who was just so humble, such a, such a good-hearted and humble individual? Everybody was so impressed by his humility. I mean, it was, it was off the, his humility was off the charts. And so it was so noticeable and so appreciated by all the people that knew him, they decided to give him an award, to give him an award for his humility. Of course, the problem was, after they gave it to him, they had to take it back because he accepted it. And when he accepted it, it ruined their idea of his humility. We joke about humility, don't we? Uh, people say, oh, humility. I'm, 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 humility is one of my greatest characteristics. I think I actually heard a politician in this last election cycle bragging about his humility. Humility. You don't brag about humility, right? Humility. We, we need humility. And this is certainly a quality that all of us can work to improve in more and more. Peter tells us why humility, this poverty of spirit, is so important. In 1 Peter 5, beginning verse 5, be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So, what's the importance of humility? Do you want God to resist you? God resists the proud. Is that what you want? No, on the other hand, God will exalt you in due time if you are humble. Do you want that? So, you, you've got your choice here. God can resist you if you're a proud individual, or God can exalt you in due time. If you develop the characteristic of humility, obviously humility is a very important thing. We are blessed if we are poor in spirit, Jesus said. Think with me about just a few examples of humility, the kind of humility that we need. We can start out by talking about that praying Pharisee who absolutely was the antithesis of humility. You remember the story in Luke chapter 18 as Jesus told at the beginning verse 9. He spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up to the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes into heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. We've studied this passage many times in the past, but it always just stands out, doesn't it? When you see the contrast between this proud Pharisee and the humble publican. As we've talked about this prayer that the Pharisee prayed, we've noted how many times the word I is in these few short words that are recorded for us. I, 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 the Pharisee was talking about himself all the time. Is there something that you notice about his prayer too? Not only that he mentioned himself so many times, there's something else that jumps off the page. He didn't didn't actually ask for anything. There's no request here. He sees no personal need. He's bragging to God about himself. Can you imagine that? that he actually bragged to God about himself and made no request. He felt that he needed nothing. The publican, on the other hand, is a a picture of humility, and he is the one who is blessed. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalted himself shall be abased, and he that humps himself shall be exalted. Basically, this is what the, what the Beatitude that we're studying today, this is what it says. It says that you're blessed if you have this humility of spirit. And so, there's a lot to learn from that praying Pharisee. We can look also, there's a number of other examples we can cite. Think about the Apostle Paul for a minute. I'll tell you, the Apostle Paul had lots to be proud about if he chose to be. And the fact of the matter is, before he was converted to Christ, he was a very proud individual. In fact, in Philippians chapter 3, beginning verse 4, or verse 5 rather, he says, Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul said, if, if I believed that I was living in such a way that I was actually blameless in, in keeping the requirements of the law of Moses. Of course, that's what he's talking about. That's the time of his life when he was living as a Pharisee, a Jew, living under the rules and regulations of the law of Moses. But it wasn't just that he was living under those rules. He believed that he was blamelessly keeping all the various notions and requirements of the law of Moses. Would you say that at that point in time, Paul was a pretty proud individual? He, he, he said, I had a lot to brag about. And I even thought I was keeping the law without fault. I was blameless. So there's that arrogance that, that he had at that point. But after he was converted to Christ, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, he says, Unto me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ when he could really see himself as he really was, when he learned to better recognize the reality of of his own spiritual situation, then humility uh, possessed him. And it takes that kind of humility to truly be right with God. Paul could not be right with God while he was in that arrogant state, believing that he blamelessly kept the law of Moses. He had to humble himself and come to the realization that, that he was a sinner in need of God's grace and mercy and that's true of us, too. We have to have that poverty of spirit. We have to be poor in spirit. Of course, the ultimate example of in everything that you can imagine to talk about, the ultimate example is Jesus himself. And we're, and we're urged to develop the mindset that Jesus had. Notice in Philippians chapter 2, beginning verse 5, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Let this mind be in you, which was in Christ Jesus. And notice his humility and his submission and his willingness to obey God. All of those things are things that we should have. That mind should be in us. Jesus is the perfect example. And so, as Jesus starts out the Sermon on the Mount, he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And we see that the Scriptures definitely teach us about the importance of humility. We need that. So let's ask the question, how can I achieve that? How can I become more and more of this kind of attitude or characteristic, poor in spirit? There's probably a number of suggestions you can imagine. I want to mention just two or three. First of all, you got to recognize God's greatness and your own sinfulness. Have you ever had the experience of, and I know you've all done this, but have you, has it ever caused you to stop and think? Have you stood beside something really immense and then considered how small you were in comparison to it? Uh, maybe you were in the big city, maybe New York City, and you stood next to some of those skyscrapers. Uh, pretty amazing how immense they are and how tiny you are in comparison or maybe some natural wonder. Have you been to the Grand Canyon? Some of you have had the opportunity to visit the Grand Canyon. I'll tell you, when you stand at the edge of the Grand Canyon, you are in awe of how big it is and how little you are. Or for the simple, for that matter, just to simply look up in the night sky on a, on a perfectly clear, calm night, and you're in a place where there's not a lot of light pollution, not a lot of lights that are lighting up the sky. You're out there in the dark and you look up into the sky, maybe a moonless sky at that, where you can see all of the stars and see the galaxies, and then you just cannot imagine the immenseness of the universe and how small you are, Uh, an inconceivably small speck in the vast expanse of the universe. I tell you, we need to spend some time thinking about that in regards to our smallness relative to God. God is the creator of all these things. And so you imagine the vastness of the universe, incredibly impressive. But even that doesn't hold a candle to the amazing power of God and how great he is. He's the one who created all of that. We need to recognize God's greatness and our small sinfulness. God said through the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 55, beginning verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Keep that in mind. Don't ever forget the greatness of God and our insignificant smallness in comparison to Him and our our desperate sinfulness and our need for His grace and mercy constantly. The great danger is, that we don't really see ourselves as we really are, and that we engage in acts of acts and thoughts of self deception. The Laodiceans had done that in Revelation three verse seventeen. Thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. They couldn't see themselves like they really were. And that was their big problem. They wouldn't seek God faithfully, because they didn't really see. Their desperate condition. And so, one of the ways that we can certainly work on developing this poverty of spirit that we need is to recognize how great God is and how insignificant and wretched and miserable and sinful we are. Don't ever lose sight of that, and it will help us to constantly be humble. Also, a key to this is to develop a, a spiritual perspective on life uh if if we if we make the mistake of viewing things from a this world perspective uh, if we're just measuring things based upon material things, then we would be right to imagine we're rich. I'm not poor, man, I'm rich. if you're going to measure it based upon this world's goods, we all here are rich. In fact, we all here are among the world's very rich people. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot to be in the richest 10% of humankind on earth today. I think I think we had this statistic in the bulletin uh, not too many weeks ago that if you have less than something just less than fifty thousand dollars in net worth you you understand net worth means everything you own not just your bank account money but everything you own your uh, whatever equity you have in your house your car every possession you have so everything that you have the worth of everything that you have subtracted from any debts you might subtract any debts you might still owe that's your net worth If your net worth is, I think the statistic, you'll have to check up on me about this, but I think the statistic was $47,000. If your net worth, not just what you have in your bank account, but your net worth is $47,000, you are among the richest 10% of the world's population. Now get that. That means that you're richer than 9 out of every 10 people on planet Earth today if you want to view things from that perspective, then certainly you're not poor. You're not poor really at all. None of us complain about, can complain about poverty. When we compare ourselves to a lot of people who live in the world today, and certainly when we compare ourselves to the vast majority of people who've lived uh, on earth throughout time, we are among the very rich. If we, look at that, if we look at ourselves that way, then we could be very much like the Laodiceans that we just read about. I am rich. And increased with goods, and I have need of nothing. That's the danger of looking at things from a worldly perspective. But if but if we look at things from a a spiritual perspective, then then we can really acknowledge our poverty. We are poor. We need to understand that. And so work at looking at things from this spiritual perspective. In Second Corinthians five verse seven, Paul said, We walk by faith, not by sight. That's what we ought to do. The danger is we start walking by sight. I, 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 start, I start viewing my life from what I can accumulate, what I can grasp, what I can touch physically. If you're going to be right, you've got to walk by faith, not by sight. We need to develop this spiritual perspective. Paul says in Second Corinthians 4:18, "...we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary." The things which are not seen are eternal. That's the key, right? Anything you can see, anything that you can touch, anything that can be measured in this world's wealth, that's just temporary. That's not lasting. We want to strive for the eternal things. That, and as we do that, as we develop the humility necessary to look at things from the spiritual perspective, we're going to be so much better off. And then I would add, if you really want to be humble... Don't make the mistake of comparing yourselves to others. I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of bad people in this world. There's a lot of really bad people in this world, and I am better than them. All right? We all say that. I'll take, take that a step further. Even among people that this world would judge as pretty good people, I'm better than them, aren't you? Because there's some people who are pretty good people decent you know law-abiding citizen kind of people but we we think we're better than that right we're, we're trying a little harder than they are and so if i judge myself not by just looking at the most world's most horrible people but even looking at some pretty good people i could judge myself and say i think i'm better than that i think i'm better than they are uh and then of course complacency sets in, because my standard for judging myself is, how do I compare to other people? And, and I hope that all of us here this morning, in comparison to the vast majority of people who live in this, well, we're better than they are, and we could, com- we could complacently view that and say, I don't, I, I don't, have, to, I don't have to try too hard, because I'm better than most of the people I know. What a huge mistake, right, to judge ourselves in that way. That's not the standard. The true standard is what God has said. And that's how we need to judge ourselves. Paul said in Second Corinthians 10, verse 12, We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not wise to make our determination about how we stand by comparing to others. And so, again, I think we could expand this list fairly significantly, but here are at least three keys that will help us develop and and improve in this humility, this poverty of spirit. God's great. I'm sinful. I want to look at things from the eternal spiritual perspective and realize that I've got to judge how, how I stand based upon the true standard of God's Word, not by comparing myself to others. If I can... If I can improve in poverty of spirit, what's the result? What becomes of that? Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So that was the last part of this. Poor, the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's the blessing that follows. What do you want more than that? right? What could be more significant than to be... In the kingdom of heaven, to have the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We started out talking about Black Friday and Cyber Monday. I'll tell you, there's a lot to want, isn't there, in this world? We got the paper and it had all those flyers in it for Black Friday. And Cindy said, Is there anything good in there that you want or need? I said, Man, it's full of things I want and need. All of those flyers, lots of good deals, right? i gonna tell you, none of that matters at all in comparison to the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are the poor spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That's what we ought to really be striving for. What's your situation this morning? Are you right in the sight of God? Have, Have you had that, the humility that's necessary to bring you to a point where you will humbly submit in obedience to the instructions of God? That's what it takes. That's what we need. Are you humble today, willing to obey God? Have you never become a Christian by following that simple gospel plan of salvation? Hear, believe, repent, confess, be baptized. If you've never done that, we hope you'll commit to that today. If you need more study, say so. We'll study with you. Make this decision. If you're a Christian already, but you remember, you realize that you've been resisting God and you haven't humbly submitted to Him in all things, come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song. Oh, Jesus said, come unto me, and I